welcome to another episode of Top Lines and Tales. And as always, we're kindly sponsored by Harbro and very grateful to that Harbro, of course, being manufacturers and suppliers of quality livestock nutrition. And we're continuing with our series on characters in livestock. And this week, I've got a chap on who's... I don't think I've ever been to a show when, uh, when this fella hasn't been there. He's a great showman, a great cattleman, loves his cattle, loves his job, and, uh, and a good friend, uh, Paul Walker. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Andy. Thank you for asking me. And Paul, as I said, you always seem to be at every single show, but let's go back to where we probably first met, and that would be the Royal Smithfield Show, and that's probably, like many of us, is the place that, uh, that got you started with your, your love of showing cattle. Yeah, well, it was, Andy. Um, my livestock... Uh, started from showing dairy cattle, really. Mm-hmm. I was a foot, full-time foot trimmer, and then I was I got friends with dairy cattle, and I was showing dairy cattle, and then I met a lot of friends through the foot trimming, and that's what took me to beef cattle, really. I remember your days of foot trimming. In fact, there were one or two of you around that area there, and uh, you'd be along with, uh, with Bart, of course, Richard Bartle. He started uh, pretty much as a foot trimmer as well. Uh, you guys sort of progressed into the cattle showing world from from the same beginnings, really. Very much so, yeah. I had a spell of working, working with Bart at Willow Lodge for, for a while. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned Smithfield, and of course Smithfield gets frequently mentioned on this podcast till everybody's fed up with hearing about it. But uh, uh, the same as myself, you'd go down there in your younger days and you'd learn such a lot from these old uh, these old characters, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, I, used to, I learned a lot by standing watching... Never, never. I asked a few questions, but I probably never got them answered how I wanted them answered. But I learned a lot by was standing watching people and whatever you like, you know. And it was an incredible place, wasn't it? Going to Smithfield, walking into that big hall, and oh, it's just electric from the time you from the time you got there, early hours of of the first morning in um, the car park to the time going from the car park to the vet inspection. It was just every bit of it was just. Well, just electric, just an experience, like yeah, yeah. And then different, different things like you ringworm, and you think, uh, have you, have you covered it up properly? Is anybody going to spot it? And just all different things, like you know. Yeah. And then one particular thing what sticks in my mind about Smithfield is walking up that ramp on a frosty morning mm-hmm. and the drop off the off the edge. <laughs> Yeah, you're quite right. That um, that was looking back, and it was probably quite dangerous if you went over that wall, just literally straight down onto the train tracks below. But uh, I don't think anybody ever did. And Paul, you'd have brought uh, cattle in your younger days, or maybe you didn't in your, in your first uh, few turns. You'd come in as understockman, wouldn't you, for for one or two? Yeah, I'd help. I'd help uh, was helping George Cormack at the time and Colin Suto, and he used to take a team of cattle down there. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned yeah. mentioned George Cormack, and of course one of the one of the greatest stockmen that ever lived, I think. And um, George no longer with us, but George was just such an able man, and he he'd been cattle in for himself in the early years. And his his, his uh, introduction doesn't need putting out there, but uh, to to learn from a man like that was just a he was a legend, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a legend in his own right. But the old family are legends, to be quite honest. I can't take nothing away from the family of stocksmen. Like. Mm. They're, all great, they're all great stocksmen, where you bring cattle out and prepare cattle and, you know, just top-notch. And how, how would you get into to, to a man like George? George wouldn't take anybody on. He wouldn't. Yeah, George was George, was George and he, hey, we've had a few run-ins with us over the years. I'm sure you have as well. But how would you get into to to get that job with with George Cormack? Because it was uh, well, it was always the time through the foot trimming. I was going um, foot trimming for Malcolm Smith, Jenko Lodge. Okay. And David Cormack was there at the time. 
And at that time, I got quite friendly with David. And then um, the Jenko Lodge sale, I did that with David and George. And then the Broadmeadow sale come up and I did that. And and then uh, Billy Bedell sale with George. And mm. just kicked on from there, really. And it was some... the main, the main, um, the main person as well. I met Colin Souter from them early days, and through George Cormack. And George has been mentioned a few times on this podcast, and now we can't really praise him enough. I mean, uh, a massive stalwart for the Aberdeen Angus uh, Society, um, especially when they were in a, getting into the tougher times, and. Um, a passionate Scotsman, a fantastic cattle trimmer, and uh, is some we could all learn from. And uh, and George would probably take some credit to, for introducing Colin Souter into the business too. That's right, yeah, because Colin used to spend a lot of time at Broadmeadows when George was at Broadmeadows. Okay. And, yeah, we come, as I say, we come with best of mates, like right. Colin and myself. And you mentioned Broadmeadows there again, another you know, a well-known name amongst the industry, Douglas Creighton, uh, and a great man that he was, and had some fantastic limousines at uh, Broadmeadows, and uh, he had some good belted Galloways there as well, I think. Oh, he was, yeah. Yeah, he was a legend. Nice man as well. Whenever you met him, he was uh, always wanted to chat and... Yeah, it was a great man, to be fair. And I know you're in quite a few breeds, Paul, and we'll talk about that uh, maybe shortly, but uh, Limousin's probably where most of us recognise you you on the front of, on the halter on the front of, and uh, probably a breed you're very passionate about, and uh, it would have been Broadmeadows that probably uh, got you kicked off uh, with that breed. Well, yeah, I suppose that's where my first love, uh, Jenko Lodge probably was my, f- my first love of, of Limousin's work, Futcher me them like. Mm. And I started studying them a bit and it just kept moving on. And then uh, David moved from Jenko Lodge to Langs at Yorkshire. And that was another good herd of cows. And um, they just kept working away with George when he got a sale and or wanted something doing. He used to give us a call like. Sure. Yeah, with Broadmeadows on your CV and George Cormack and uh, um, being a freelancer, you were starting to find a lot of work. So where did you move on to uh, Limousin Wines after that? Yeah, well, um, Colin Suter then was approached by Dougie Mash to bring his cattle out for the show seasons. And I think Colin was there for about seven, seven, eight years, do you remember? And then I was quite involved with, with Colin, we become good mates at the time. And then Colin went on to a full-time job. And for those who, who don't know you, Paul, or who don't know uh, the limousine industry, it's, you, we're talking like a who's who here. We're going from one to the other. Dougie Mash, of course, another great character in the livestock, great stockman himself, um, great judge of stock too, I think. And uh, you're in there with some damn good cattle at, uh, at Dougie's place. And when he went to a show, he didn't he didn't go to come second, did he? He was a, he won a lot of he won a lot of hardware over the years. Yeah, That's right. Fantastic. Yeah. And then when Colin went to, when Colin did his foot went on to his full time job, I took over showing McCallum matches. Yeah. And then I had the pleasure of showing uh, Ronnie McKenzie. Well, I still think she's one of the greatest cows there was, to be quite honest. Ronick McKenzie, of course, was uh, daughter of um, Broadmeadows Ainsley, wasn't she? Who, again, was uh, one of those great show cows over the years there. And, and we're on the subject of Dougies. And, of course, there was another Dougie involved with Dougie Mash. And, of course, that was uh, Dougie Macbeth, uh, who was uh, who also says McKenzie was one of the best cows he ever saw. But he, he certainly uh, he worked for, Ma- for, for Dougie Mash as well, didn't he? And staying with uh, Ronick McKenzie, she went on and uh, and she won a lot, didn't she? Won uh, maybe won more than her mother did. I I know uh, I know uh, Dougie paid quite a bit of money for her, but uh, she certainly did the work anyway, and went on to breed, I think. 
Yeah, 28,000 she was. And you had your time and your, and your wins with Dougie Mash, but then you moved on to, then to somewhere I'd be more associated you with, uh, Paul. Mr. Bloxham. Said if you'd done your winning with Dougie Mash, then uh, your time at Mr. Bloxham was uh, were halcyon days for you there. You'd have won a, a lot of prizes, always great cattle, and uh, always brought out well, and uh, bloody hard to beat for, for most of that time. Yeah, I had some, had some good times with Mr. Bloxham at the Royals, and well, a lot of the shows with Welsh, and some real, real success with them as well. Say, uh, long, I never, I never used to manage manage them. I used to show them with John Wilson. John Wilson was the, the stocksman there, mm-hmm. and I just used to go in and uh, get the cattle ready for the shows and go to the shows with him. Like. I have to say, Paul, you're a very humble man. To say you just went in there and brought the cattle out for them is uh, a little bit more than that. You wouldn't be in the job that you're in now if you weren't uh, absolutely brilliant at doing that and bringing them out. And uh, um, and you've moved on yourself now. Let's go on to, to your, your own side of it. You've got a few cattle of your own now, haven't you? Uh, tell us a bit more about this. No, I've got British Blues and Herifords, a few Herifords, yeah. I had a, well, I've not got many Blues left while we're building back up again, but I had a reduction sale uh, six years ago. And sold the blues in the limousines. Uh, and Crackley Bank, is that you? That's crack, Crackley Bank's my prefix, yeah. 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 And I was involved in some of the early days in blues, but there were yeah, two great characters, three great characters, I suppose, that were all in those early days, and that would be uh, in your part of the world, uh, Jim Barber, of course, Graham Brindley, and, and, and Bart, who crops up regularly on this programme, haven't been involved in a lot of breeds. But, uh, you yeah, know, Paul, I'd put you in that school along with those guys there. That's uh, you know, there's, there's blues from that Staffordshire area um, have all stemmed back to that, and you're up there with the best of them. That's very kind of you, but... No, I haven't turned to be in with them yet, just yet. Like, but Graham Brindley is a very um, one of my icons with the Blues, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. And and Jim, you know, I can't take anything away from Jim, but but Graham was was what who I looked up to and who I'd listened to. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, because he'd been there, he got success at the shows and success in the, in the sales as well. Of course, while we're talking about the Belgian Blues and, and Staffordshire, another man that we shouldn't miss out there that was in amongst that, that area and still is, uh, Danny Wiley, of course. Uh, but yeah, no, Danny, yeah, I forgot about Danny. <laughs> Don't forget Danny. Yeah, well, da- <laughs> Danny, um, when I set up in Blues when we got married, Danny gave us um, a pregnancy or a wedding present and that was uh, Cracky Bank, Candy Girl. Okay. And she she's done me a lot, a lot of good luck. Mm-hmm. Two females, what did me a lot of good was uh, Crackley Bank, Candy Girl, and uh, I bought my very first blue off Will Lodge. Okay, Will Lodge, of course, yeah, again, yeah, yeah big, big in the blues back in the day. And, uh, yeah, they were. Of course, we're on the subject of your home area there in Staffordshire, and uh, and one of my early haunts, of course, was the the Birmingham Prime Stock Show, which is, is at Newbingley Hall in Stafford, and uh, that's where I learned my love of, of, of livestock and my love of showing. And uh, Paul, you and I probably share that uh, the love of showing fat stock cattle in the winter is is there's nothing quite like it. And um, the Birmingham Fat Stock Show or Prime Stock Show, as it is now, would be. Uh, would have only been second to Smithfield and now probably would be one of the strongest uh, shows in the country and uh, and you've done your share of, of winning at that one, I think. Well, Stafford, the English Winter Fair, is my love because I'm only, well, I was born and bred, I'm only four miles away from there. Like, okay. You know, so that was always my love. Like, mm. But yeah, we've had a lot, a uh, fair bit of success at the English Winter Fair. Yeah. yeah. A fair bit of success. Go on, number your successes there because you've had a few, I certainly know, 
the last, I think it was 2019, I think you, you picked up the, the silverware there, but uh, you had your share there for, for a lot of years. Yeah, well, I was overall champion, supreme champion in 19, 2019, with one of Richard Wright's from Somerset. Uh-huh. And then the same year, we had champion steer with one of Gilbert Brooks's. And then reserve overall champion steer with another one of Richard Wright's that year. And Dickie Wright, another great cattleman, of course, and uh, been at the job a long time. I mean, when, when I was back in it, so probably 25, 30 years maybe, and and uh, always a man like to, to win and uh, a good character all around. He's probably some, somebody I should get on and have a chat on this podcast uh, one of the days. How long have you been there bringing out cattle for him, uh, uh, Paul? Yeah, 12 years. 12 yeah, years. 12 years. Mm. The job's getting harder and harder. You can't just walk into a sale and buy a beast now because everybody else is, is there. Or even walk into a field and buy a beast. Everybody's there looking for them. And uh, and But Dickie would breed a few, wouldn't he? Maybe that's the best way. Yeah, he breeds, he breeds most of them his own. Then he, then he always has... Uh, he always, uh, he's got two or three farms where he has a pick of the calves on, like. And he, he can pick them and... Hopefully, I can try and turn them out. <laughs> it's, it's, it's you make it sound so easy. A lot of people on here make it sound so easy, but I mean, I've well, seen... you, you, you know as well as I do, Andy. It's not easy. No, no, no. It's not the easy. easy part. The easy part is actually buying them, but yep. the hardest part is turning them out and finding them. And it's timing as well, isn't it? We had uh, Hugh Dunlop on a couple of days ago, and Hugh the same thing. It's like it's 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 all about the timing. Is is it's hugely important, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah. Use a use a master of it. He's proved that time and time again. We'll have a look at some of your other wins in a minute there. But uh, Paul, you've been involved in the cattle job as long as I have. And uh, um, if I put you on the spot now, who would you say, or what would you say, was probably one of the the best beasts that uh, that you ever saw? Well, pedig- pedigree would be uh, Ronit McKenzie. Yeah, okay. And she went on and, and got uh, won a lot of a fair bit of of, of her first share. Did she win the the, the Burke? I think. Yeah, she won the Royal. Yeah. Uh, she was um, reserved Burke. She won the Welsh twice Supreme. Right, big strong cow she made into it, and a breeder as well. Oh, definitely a breeder as well. That's what I was going to say. There's not many of the show cows. Breed as well, and she did both. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's still got a strong influence in in Bocker in the Bockhurst herd. Like, Good. a lot, a lot of daughters and granddaughters in there. Like, mm. and, and they're still they're still coming through. And they're still breeding. And fat stock wise, come on, we're going to put you on the spot. You've seen a lot of. You've been in more fat stock shows than me, and we've both been a lot of fat stock shows. But uh, pick pick one out. I like the Chevrolet you don't like one Smithfield with. I can't think of a name. I knew you were going to put me on the bloody spot about that. <laughs> would that be Would that be Dancing Queen? Dancing Queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought she was something very special. Like when she was in that glass box, mm. she just Johnny Mayer, like you Sean, know. Sean the day from. And I, that was that was when I was watching her in the glass box, and I just thought to myself, hopefully one day I can have one in the glass box. Yeah. That's what we all wanted. But unfortunately, there's no glass boxes left, is there? No, that's sad, isn't it? It is sad. It's not Very sad. Bad. It's not sad. It's the way things have moved on, really, isn't it? But there's still a lot yeah. of fat stock shows out there. And, and in the last few years, you've been to pretty much all of them there, up and down the country, Wales, Scotland, uh, England. Uh, and you're, you're always in amongst it, Paul. You're never far away. No, we've had quite a lot of success at um, the Welsh as well. And that, to, to win the Welsh and be knocking on the door every every year sort of thing is... Quite hard to do the Welsh because the quality there is something else. Like, and now you've got the 
the Scots come down to it as well, like, so it makes the competition even harder. That's, that's worth a lot. I go back to the, the earlier days. In fact, the very first uh, Welsh Winter Fair, we brought up East State for Doug Lloyd, and we went on and won that, I think, in 1989 or, or 90. And uh, people do... Well, I don't think anybody does actually underestimate how strong the, the Welsh Winter Fair is, but uh, the Scottish guys come down, and very rarely they take all the spoils. And In my younger days, I bought a lot of show cattle in Wales as well, and some great cattle in amongst Wales. And, and Paul, uh, yeah, you, you went on, uh, I think, as you said just now, went on and uh, a couple of years ago... Um, basically took all the title, titles there were. That was uh, one of Richard Wright's again. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't think of her name now, but yeah, we won, we won that one year with a red heifer. Uh-huh. Red, red Mist, I think her name was. Okay. And then the year after that, we was champions, champion, over, overall champion steer. Mm-hmm. And then reserve, then reserve to the overall champion with a heifer. When Phil... So okay. Phil Price, yeah, yeah. Okay. And as you said, you won, uh, was it the Winter Fair for, for Dickie Wright and uh, Gilbert Brooks Reserve? Uh, uh, yeah, you've been there. English Winter Fair, that was. Mm. That was with uh, champion with uh, Gilbert Brooks' steer, then reserve with Richard Wright's steer. Okay. And then the first, cha- the first championship, uh, supreme champion at the English Winter Fair was one of Gilbert Brooks's. Mm. And we'll just dwell on uh, Gilbert Brooks for a second there. I, I'm, I'll go back a bit further than you. I can remember uh, Gilbert's father, old Jack, and uh, Jack winning, I think, the very last show in the old Bingley Hall in Birmingham before it burnt down, and that would be early 70s, 71 or 72, before they built the new Bingley Hall, and he won it with a pure Hereford steer going back that way, and uh, Gilbert's been in amongst it. I've, I've dressed cattle for Gilbert over the years, and of course, you know, Colin's involved in there, and there's Martin out there as well. They're, they're a good family of, uh, of of stockman and cattlemen, but uh, some man Gil always keeps coming back with the goods and uh, is just as passionate now as he ever was. Yes, yeah, he lives. He lives for his shows. To be fair, yeah. he's just not uh, had the last three or four years very good. But yeah, he's still got still got uh, a couple of cattle to bring out this year, though. Yeah, you're back bringing bringing his cattle out again, and I suppose one people, a few people might ask, uh, is it difficult to bring out cattle for two different uh, exhibitors at the same time when they're competing against each other like that? You need to be a diplomatic, Paul. Is that what you are, a diplomat? No, but I'm quite lucky there. Um, Richard and Gilbert get on well, and we've, as I say, it's worked like that for the last twelve years. Like yeah. you know, we, we try and be um, trying to do the same to to both to all the cattle like and. As I say, we have different people helping us, like Colin Suter, and Colin Suter's daughter helps us quite a lot. She's able, isn't she? Yeah, you know, very much so. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I don't think we're always we're always there thereabouts with both lots of cattle, like so. It's not um, it's not been a problem at all, like. And moving on from the fat stock shows, of course, the bulldog would be uh, be something you were involved in, and uh, you'd have taken cattle. Would, would you have gone to the old market in Perth? I was lucky enough to go to the last sale in Perth. Uh, okay, and, and you'd yeah, take... I was helping Richard McInnes then. Richard McInnes, another great, uh, great cattleman, great stockman anyway, and and very um, respected in the industry. And he would have some good clients. In fact, he'd have some of the top clients in in the in the cattle world that, that you could get. With Richard, he used to do Goldies. Esma Evans's, um, Linda Bedette's, yeah. Look, we, we used to have a look at cattle to do, but in like like Mady um, and Goldies, it used to be the case of just going up and getting them soaped and helping them when they when they wanted help, sort of thing. 
And again, Paul Bean. This is Paul Bean. Humbly just mentions the names of the Golian Mary. And these guys would have fantastic teams of cattle, huge teams. Sometimes uh, I think Mary would have 25 and Jim might have 20 cattle there. I mean, it's a mammoth effort to get that many cattle. And some of them would all be back to back to back in, in the age range in the catalogs to literally one through to the next one. It's, it's a huge operation. And uh, Richard had the respect, as I said, of these people. And, and obviously uh, they had your respect as well to get you involved in that. And even just, you just say, just soaping them up. But I mean, you get to a wagon load of so you get to a fair few buckets of soap anyway during during Perth week. A few buckets, to be fair. <laughs> I, I'm known as I think the biggest team I've seen Esma with is 40 bulls. <laughs> it's, it's, well, no, that would be the the last Perth market, not the old Perth market, but the last Perth market. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try and get Esma on the on the podcast if we can. And I mean, Esma is a is a fairly tight-lipped man, but uh, interesting man to work for. But I mean, what a legend, hey? Yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an interesting man to speak to when you can get him talking. Mm-hmm. And and you mentioned Richard McInnes, and of course we've got young McInnes. They're all out there running about. They're doing their stuff. There, but Richard, another able man, and and uh, just, uh, Richard, yeah, he is an able man. Mm-hmm. Like we we met through. Um, working, I used to do a bit of work for Bob Powell as well. That's how I first met Richard. Yeah, working with Bob Powell. And Bob, if you work with Bob, if if you got on Bob's team, then you were you were good because, yeah, Bob would Bob dressed cattle for me. So I learnt my spurs from Bob, and Bob dressed my first piece for me. I think in 1977, back the way before I learnt my way. And uh, Bob, an absolute classic. But he wouldn't take you on if he didn't think you, you a you got a worth work ethic and b you understood what a good beast should be about. That's right, yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen a few people come and go with Bob, like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. No, he's a man that's sorely missed, to be fair. But you, you, you've kept, you've kept going. Uh, I don't know how old you are, Paul. I wasn't going to ask you how old you are. You're not as old as me. I know that, but uh, might be bigger I'm than 55. me. I'm fifty-five. I'm fifty-five, Andy. <laughs> okay, well, you've been. But I feel sixty-five. You've been at this. You feel sixty-five. You've been at this job a long time, and you're still doing it. You know, and you, this year, you, you, I've seen you out and about, and you were up in Scotland, um, dressing cattle there for for. So, hey, some fairly Saturday. big teams as well. You've been up in Scotland, and tell us what you've been doing this year. Yeah, well, we've been uh, been involved with Sims. I've uh, been taking Davy Sapstead's uh, Heathbrow cementals out for the last three years, mm-hmm. and uh, we was up in uh, the Highland with them. There have been a lot of big shows with with them, to be fair, and quite a bit of success. And then uh, the real the real success was uh, the year before. Covid, when he had a bull called uh, Heathrow Importance, mm-hmm. and everywhere, everywhere he went, he he won into Breedline. Into Breedline, yeah. yeah. Again, so, you, and then he, you, he ended up getting sold to Anne McPherson on a private deal. <laughs> Sorry to laugh, Paul, but you just keep dropping, name dropping these names in there. Some of the greatest people in amongst the breed, and Anne McPherson being one of them, and her and her father, just some fantastic cattle there. And now uh, you've ended up bringing cattle out for for her this year. I'm uh, not quite sure how uh, how that came about. I'm very able. Yeah, she asked me at the Highland, would I go up to Black Island help her because it was the the national at the Black semi national at the Black Island. She asked me if um, I would go up and help her at the Black Island. And that, then it that, was all well. It was all linked in because I I bought her motor. I bought her motor off her like so. It all worked well because I went up there to work, and then I bought the motor back with me like so. <laughs> Method of madness sort of thing. And you mentioned the Black Isle show. I suppose we should just uh, give that a reference. Uh, I think there's two 
the two biggest one-day shows in the country. The one would be Burwatton down there in Shropshire, and the other one would be the Black Isle up there by uh, Inverness, and both of them are, are big shows, and both on the same day. Um, but the Black Isle show would be second only to the Highland, I suppose, as a, as a fantastic event and some wonderful cattle uh, in all the classes up there. Good bigger, com- but bigger than all them. Yeah, big company up there. It was massive, absolutely massive. I couldn't believe it. It was a one-day show. Mm. Well, I know we went there with... Uh, with the cattle on the float and it took us nearly an hour to get in the showground because they opened the gates up at four o'clock the night before the actual show. <laughs> and the people, I know it's just so, so many people there. It's phenomenal, it isn't it? Uh, well, you would go expecting to win, but you wouldn't go there taking it lightly, would you? No, you wouldn't. No, the, the cattle were quite um, special there, to be quite honest. And how do you get on? Yeah, we was, we was knocking on the door. And then we had, I think it was five first uh, reserve Reserve senior, reserve intermediate male, reserve junior male, and then reserve junior overall. <laughs> and the Callum Calf champion. You make it sound yeah. easy, but I would recommend anybody in, in, in anywhere to go to visit the Black Isle show. It's one of the greatest shows in the country. I really, really love it and haven't been for a while. It was a good experience. Yeah. It was a good experience. Yeah, hard, hard work. <laughs> and, Never uh, stopped from the time we got up to the time we... We finished the classes like no time to go in the bar. For, the no time to go in the bar for a dram, there, Paul. We did the night before, but not not after because time we finished showing and went into the interbreed stuff. It was time the lorries were coming in to load load up again. Like sure. the farthest I got to look around the commercial. Instead of Black House show for you, probably be a, a thousand mile round trip, uh, Paul. And uh, I don't know how many shows you go to. I, I did three shows, Wendy, and I did three shows this year, and it's about knackered me out. So, uh, how, many, how many shows would you do in a year? How, how many have you got? You still got some to do yet, I guess. How many shows in a year? I suppose, time I finished at Christmas, it'd be 16, 17. Yeah, 16 shows, and that, that pretty much is, is what you do, isn't it? Apart from your, your own cattle, of course, to the sales, shows and sales would be more than that, I'm sure. But uh, that's pretty much uh, a freelance stockman uh, is your full time operation. Do you do anything else in, in between times? Do you get time? Yeah, I do a few sales, and, and then in my spare time, I drive um, a decker for Gordon Gilder in my spare time. Okay, and you're on that just now? I'm on this just now, yeah. That'll be yeah. that'll be uh, uh, top sales or sheep sales time this time of year, I suppose. There'll be sheep going up and down the country. Yeah, get, be... getting into them, starting next week. Yeah, yeah. but I'm well. I'm not here next week. I'm getting cut ready for Eden Bridge Show. Okay, Mashie's cut ready for Eden Bridge Show, and then Bucks County. And Dougie Mash, so you're back at Dougie Mash's again. Are you a bit of a, a lull off the show circuit? But is is he back there with 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 Vengeance? Yeah. Well, it's not so much Dougie now. It's his son Harvey. Okay. He runs, he runs the job now. Okay. And then Jimmy McMillan is um, started last week as full-time stockman. Right. Okay. But I'm still getting the, the job of bringing the cat out like so. <laughs> you and Jimmy, of course, a great pairing, uh, both inside the show ring and, and outside it when there's some crack to be had. And, of course, uh, yeah, Jimmy being a, a chip off the old block, old Jimmy um, McMillan, of course, Jimmy would be a man that all of us would be up there with, with suppose, with George Cormack that all of us could learn from. And, uh, Jim, if you're out there, uh, wishing you all the best. Yeah, yeah, very much so. We, two good, two good stopmen, showmen, yeah. We shouldn't call him old yeah. Jimmy, really. He's, he's not that old. Well, I call, I call young Jimmy old Jimmy now. <laughs> but, um, no, but, but, but still, there's still lots to learn off, off the pair of them, like, yeah. especially young Jimmy. Still a lot to learn off him. Yes, as you said, Jim McMillan and Jim McMillan Sr., both uh, very, very able and uh, 
Jim Senior would have uh, been up there with John Lascelles and the guys there with sort of some of the most wins at the Royal Smithfield Show back in his day, and and, and he wouldn't have forgotten any of that. And uh, um, hey, a long time ago, uh, Paul. Yeah, we're we're getting to be the old ones now. That's the worrying bit, Andy. <laughs> we are the old boys. Like we used to, we used to be the the kids and look up to like the Jimmy Jimmy McMillans and um, the Fred Smiths, the Ali Smiths, yeah. and. George Cormax and all them, and now, now we're the old guys. <laughs> I don't think we're but, as good as the old guys, to be fair. I, I wouldn't put myself in their bracket anyway. But uh, the, one, no, I'm the, the one privilege we get, of course, as we get older, is we do get to judge a little bit, and, and you'll get out on the judging circuit, to Paul, and get out and do a bit. Yeah, we've done a bit of judging around the country, Andy. Um, well, some of, some of my highlights would be judging Balmoral. Okay. In Ireland. Great show, um, great show. Tullymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good shows, but that was the old showground when there was, well, there was 20, 27 heifers in the one class. Wow. And 80, 18 cows in the blue class. Okay. That's, that's, yeah, I think that puts you. It's nice to judge the shows. I suppose judging the the, the the shows and sales is harder, but it's nice to judge the shows like that, and you do get treated like bloody royalty at, at the, the Balmoral. They do look after you, don't they? Oh, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Like It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, was was sorting out that cow class and the heifer class was, well, and the bull class. You know, just took it. That would be my first big show, Balmoral, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, but, uh, then me, then me bull, uh, me bull went on to be uh, junior interbreed champion in that. Yeah, it's always nice when the animal that you judge to be breed champion goes on and does well in interbreed. And uh, and talking about interbreeds, Paul, you're into two or three different breeds now uh, with the Herefords. We haven't even talked about your Herefords. Um, that probably you'll be getting appointments now for for judging interbreeds. Uh, uh, man in the middle. I've not done many interbreeds yet, to be quite honest. But Herefords, I've only just started in the Herefords. I haven't hit my um, stars in the Herefords yet. I don't think. Well, so, let's go into the Herefords for a second, because, I mean, I know your pals are Boomer Birch, again, another Staffordshire boy, and, uh, and old Roger, of course, Roger's, to say, Roger, if you're listening, hello, Roger, I saw him at the Yorkshire show, and uh, he's still on form, but, um, yeah, Boomer's got into the Herefords and, and made a bloody good fist of it in the last two or three years, and you'll be riding on a little bit on the back of that, I guess. Yeah, well, that's, that's probably where I I got the love for the Herefords, watching Boomer with his Herefords, and... Of course, when Boomer wanted anything doing and he couldn't manage it himself, I used to go and help him with them and what have you. And then, of course, Graham Brindley's in, in partnership with Boomer as well, with the Herefords. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've we've always been... Well, I've known him ever since he was bloody a nipper like so, Boomer. So, you know? so have I. And, and, and he's done yeah. incredibly well, hasn't he? But as I said, with the Herefords, he's, he's just come out there with his, uh, with his sky-high... Herefords, and he has hit the sky, hasn't he? And, and uh, Boomer's been on this podcast, and just to see those, and, and you've got a few of those, and, and uh, they've done well for you. I think you've, you've turned out a few good Herefords of your own in a good trade. Yeah, yeah. I bought my first two cows from a reduction sale at Sedgemoor. Okay. Uh, from some friends. Well, I've been watching. I've been watching there, uh, looking around their cattle, and watching what they've been doing with them. And I'm just fortunate to pick two cows up there. And I bought one cow. For the cow, and then I bought another cow for the calf. What was on it? Mm-hmm. And they were both in calf again to a bull called um, Velox Phantom, and I was involved in by well involved in advising about buying him, like. And then um, 
they carved them. I saw the, the bull calves, what were on the cows when I bought them, which was quite good. And that paid that paid for the old outfits. One bull paid for the both outfits, mm-hmm. and and then they carved again. And I had a heifer out of one and a bull out of the other. I showed the heifer, and I still got her. She's in calf, and and I had my first bull, which I won. I went to the pole show at Morning Marsh with that, won its class. And then I was fortunate to sell it in the spring at the Hereford sale at 4,000 guineas. 4,000? No, well, that'll do. Yes, I was quite chuffed at that. And of course, we all know the Herefords are in demand at the moment, uh, particularly the females, but uh, 4,000 for a bull is a damn good trade. Uh, uh, well done on that one. And uh, Paul, so you and I go back a long way, I suppose, and... and um, You've been at a lot of shows and shown a lot of cattle. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit and ask you what was your what was your biggest win? What what photos do you have on on your wall to 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 celebrate to what you've achieved? Um, biggest win would be uh, winning the Welsh. I won the limbs at the Welsh. I was champion champion male, champion female, and supreme. Right. And then the not not supreme. As in supreme, but the limb, the, the limmy class, yeah. the limmy classes. Mm-hmm. I was champion female, champion male, and then I was overall champion with the female, and then the ball followed through reserve. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that's... and that was um, that was um, Brockers McKenzie and Ronnie um, Brockers Revere and Jim Bloomjudge that day. Jim Bloom, another great, uh, great judge and a stalwart of the breed. Hello, Jim, if you're listening. And uh, um, and Paul, as I said, you've been in the show ring with a lot of different breeds and uh, always been the man to beat as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you're uh, always up there near the top and uh, and you're still doing it, Paul. I mean, you, we're, we're reaching an age now where it gets a little bit harder to do, but uh, no sign of retirement for Paul at the moment, I don't think. I always said I'd keep on doing what I'm doing, why I enjoyed it. But as soon as it stopped getting a task, I wouldn't. I would pack in. Well, 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 Paul. As I said, with you, with your own cattle and uh, and all the other ones there, you'll be coming into sale time uh, shortly, and then of course on to the fat stock shows. And uh, look forward to seeing you about there. Will you be doing? Uh, if you're doing the Agri Expo at uh, Carlisle, well, I'll uh, I'll be there on the microphone to do the commentary. So I'll give you a bit of stick there for sure, Paul, because uh, you've always given me enough over the past. Yeah, Agri Expo, um, Beef Southwest. English Winter Fair, Welsh Winter Fair, and hopefully go to the Scottish Winter Fair as well. Good. Paul, Look forward to seeing you, Andy. Paul, you come over as a very humble man, and uh, you, you should really give yourself more credit because, uh, in my eyes, you're one of the best topmen that I've that I've known. So uh, it's a great pleasure to to speak to you uh, uh, today. Thank you very much for that, Andy. Paul, brilliant, super to speak to you. Thank you very much for for being on Top Lines of Tales. All the best. Thank you very much. Cheers, my man. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this week's uh, episode of Top Lines and Tales, kindly sponsored by Harbro, suppliers and manufacturers of quality livestock nutrition and nutritional advice. Please visit uh, their website and, and why not contact Harbro and and let them help you get on top of your cost of production with a with a free no obligation review of your current production systems. Uh, uh, as I said, find them on their website or on on social media. And whilst you're on uh, social media, why not look out our Top Lines and Tales Facebook page where you'll find uh, photographs to back up this and other episodes.